episode of Poopology. Today we discuss gender and I have joining me my co-host Claire and our producer Uzma and two special guests. So let's start by introductions. Ladies, please introduce yourselves. Hello, I'm Rachel Reese. I'm director and founder of Global Butterflies. Um, we do trans inclusion work mainly in the city of London. Hi, my name's Emma Cunston. I'm a director of Global Butterflies, so I work alongside Rachel in trans inclusion. I also have a day job where I work for Viva Insurance, so <laughs> I have two jobs. Yeah. Wow, you're a busy person. <laughs> yeah, very busy. <laughs> day job, night job. Okay, uh, great. I call, it, I call it a tea job. That's a tea job, yeah. <laughs> Day job and a yeah. job. Great, great. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us today. We are very honoured to have you here. So before we get on to the serious stuff, we're just going to talk about our poop of the week. Okay, I will start. So my poop of the week again involves my children and I like to take them on as called a transport day where we usually go on a bus and then a train and then a tube and then a DLR and then back on the bus and they think it's amazing and I think this is great so it only cost me like a day trip on my oyster so that's perfectly fine for me and they also like to get dressed up in costumes so I think uh, on this particular instance my young uh, middle child was Chewbacca and <laughs> my eldest boy was Batman so we travelled around on public transport like this and we got to the end and I said to them oh what did you enjoy the most did you like the bus did you like the tube was it the taxi what did you love and my eldest said to me oh I liked all of it and I said to my middle boy what did you like and he went um I really like yellow <laughs> <laughs> okay great oh my goodness Mystified. <laughs> 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 oh wow <laughs> Mine was recently when getting off the DLR actually and I was coming down the escalator and I have a thing for stepping on crunchy leaves. It's just so satisfying mm. to me. And I saw this brown thing on the floor and I was going at it at speed like, <laughs> yes, I'm going to step on that crunchy leaf. Just like a step away, it started moving. I first thought it was the wind. <laughs> Turns out it's this little mice like running across. Oh, no. <laughs> so it was so close that I would have just stepped on mice, that would not have been great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it scarred me of crunchy yeah. leaves for oh, the rest yeah. of my life. I don't think that crunch. Oh my goodness. Squish and then crunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh my goodness. Well, my poopy moment for the week, I think you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, uh, I did a full day at home yesterday in my home office and I had a, I finished around half past four, I walked up to the house and I thought, oh I'll make a cup of tea and relax but I went upstairs just to see how our cat was doing and I heard a sort of scratching on the wall of the house and the upstairs landing and I tapped the wall and the plaster fell off and a billion wasps flew into the house um, and (laughs) took over the house and I had to stick an old plastic folder over the hole to stop them taking over. I got stung stung 12 times by the wasps and felt really poorly and I'm still not feeling great but that was my poop of the week Um, and I had to hoover up about a million wasps with my Dyson. Were they still alive? Where are the Dyson? Oh yeah, the do- in fact, we put the Dyson in the middle of our garden because we're both too scared to undo the thing and let That's them out. Oh, they're going to come back and get you get after you. being oh, in the yeah. they're, yes. so, they're so revengeful <laughs> so wasps. So yeah, they're very revengeful wasps. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what's um, going to happen? How are you going to get the Dyson out? 
dice them back. Are you oh. going to have to like wear one of those toxic wow. suits to go out? Well, no, we're going to. I think we're going to be. I mean, it sounds horrible, but they are so fierce. I think they're all quietening down a bit. So I think either they're going to, um, you know, go somewhere and die sadly. But you know, I'm I'm not a revengeful person. But they stung me twelve times. So, <laughs> so um, there are another two billion in the wall of our house humming away. Luckily, a friend came along and nailed a piece of plowboard over the hole. But we can hear them, that's the thing. When we walk through the landing, you can feel the hum in the wall. So It's, it's like a nightmare. Yeah. I think yeah, it's like, like a Hitchcock yeah. film. I think yeah. I will probably have a nightmare about this yeah. tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm having... I, I didn't sleep it. last night. I kept thinking, is that a wasp, is that a wasp in my room? Is that, like, was, <laughs> that and, and is the humming noise making a pattern? There's a humming noise, mm. like a sort of droning noise. And it's sending your message. It's, we're going to get you. <laughs> we're going to get you. I've got tiny... Need another Dyson. <laughs> Dyson Mark II, the revenge. The big one, the big one. How about you, Emma? So I'm going to pick up a little bit on the mouse theme. It's my poop of the week. So we do have a cat mm. who is a lovely 12-year-old black cat who has decided that what I really need at about four o'clock in the morning is a mouse dropped on my bed. Oh. <laughs> but you know that's a present. I know. It is. <laughs> He's gone one further and said this isn't a dead mouse, this is a... <gasps> oh, no! No! oh, I've heard the yelp and the... <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning. So, so, so my yeah. poopy moment was scrabbling around about four o'clock in the morning trying to catch a live mouse. Oh, that running around. Oh. We live in an oast house so the rooms are round so the mouse goes round and round and oh, round the outside. Oh, so. What you need is an Uzma in the corner of the room <laughs> waiting to crunch. <laughs> to crunch it. We did have a mouse yeah. come live in our house as well because we've got a cat yeah. and my reaction was jump on the sofa and scream for my mum so yeah. I'm yeah. not sure I would be yeah. great we've help one of those but knowing that I have to get up about quarter past five in mm. the morning and we have a box a special box a special box mouse which, removal system which is <laughs> throw over the mouse <laughs> slide the lid underneath but he did it a couple of weeks ago he brought a mouse in we were relaxing in the evening he dropped it in the middle of the living room and, and it just ran out and, and Emma removed it and we sat down after about an hour of trying to catch this and we sat down and he then dragged a bat in which then oh flew all over gosh. the living room yeah. how do you even a bat. catch a bat? I think With it was the, just sitting on the floor it was sitting on I used the it's same system the mouse easy. removal system worked for the bat oh so um, <laughs> We've got bats in our attic. With the mice, it's the scurrying. Yeah. I don't like all that scurrying. And I don't awful. mind the scurrying. Yeah. Oh, um. no. We, um, we get mice because we've got three kids and they just leave food all over the place. And yeah. we, we get mice all the time. And we didn't want to have mouse traps because of their little fingers and things. So we're trying to find a system that we can use. And my husband bought this humane mouse trap, mouse oh, trap yeah. which is like a plastic tube. And you put Nutella. And oh, then, wow. we okay. caught the three-year-old with his oh, hands <laughs> in the mouse trap. <laughs> Trying to get the Nutella oh, to eat it. I'm like, come on. Let's <laughs> go to the cupboard and get something. Stop eating the mouse trap food. Oh, <laughs> we've caught Campbell. Humanely. <laughs> 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 Okay, so my poopy moment is actually also a tube story by chance. You would think that we coordinated this, but we didn't. So a couple of weeks back, I got on the tube. It was really, really busy. And, you know, it's no secret I'm a bit overweight. And we've discussed farts quite a lot before. Yeah. We've, we've talked about gas quite a lot. And recently, I've discovered I'm slightly gluten intolerant. So if I eat anything with gluten, and sometimes I'm not aware that there's gluten mm. in it, you know, I do swell up, you know, look a little bit more overweight than I do normally. So this young 
a man kindly stood up to give me a seat. He obviously thought I was pregnant. But do you know what? Instead of being terrified, I actually took the seat because I thought, great, I get to sit all the way home. Right? I was in Hendon, so it was quite a long journey home. So I sat down nicely and comfortably. And then the following day, I got on the train to go somewhere else, and it was really packed again. And I thought, you know what? That trick yesterday was really good. Now, the problem is I don't have any gas right now, so I'm not quite sure what to do. So I just put my hand behind my back, you know, and one hand on my stomach. Oh, yeah. And just kind of oh, helped goodness. out a little bit. And someone else stood up to give me a seat. I was like, oh, no. lovely, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I have been tempted to rock out my baby on board badge when it's been really packed and I thought, I should have brought that with me. So, you know, I feel like I turned my poopy moment into a not-so-poopy moment, you know, and now whenever it's a bit busy... (laughs) (laughs) Just give me back a rub. (laughs) Pop the belly out a little bit, it works a wonder. I'm going to try that. Okay, so let's get on to the serious stuff then, ladies. So before we get on to any questions, I was reading a site earlier on today called Mm stonewall.org.uk and I saw some stats in there. So I'm going to quote their stats because I don't, you know, I don't know where the sources come from and their accuracy, but I was quite shocked. So I just wanted to sort of throw them out there first and start the conversation in that way. So they say there are more than 600,000 trans people in Britain and one in five trans people have had hate crime committed against them in the last year. Two in five people have attempted suicide and one in eight people have been physically attacked by Mm. colleagues or customers Mm. at work. Yes. Colleagues? Yes. Mm. Yes. Colleagues and clients, yes. So this was extremely shocking to me. I mean, I thought I knew... You know a lot about a lot of things that happen in the world but to be honest numbers like that yeah. seem incredibly frightening and then i read something else that claire you might be quite happy about because i think it's very progressive for new zealand that last year british trans women were granted asylum in new zealand because the uk is so transphobic yeah. so obviously mm. you know yeah. great that your wonderful country is doing such a mm. thing but how terrible that in yeah. britain you know that this yeah. is the situation it's got steadily worse since 2015 okay so that was my next yeah. question was going to be how you know how do you think about the current yeah. situation compared to before it's, it's got worse 2015 was the year to be trans I mean, it was called to be trans transgender was the word of the year and really thought I mean I transitioned 20 years ago so I've seen it get better from when I transitioned in the dark ages where it wasn't great being trans at all and two things happened to set it back one was Trump being elected president of the Trump-Pence administration and that's kind of washed over it's cool to be horrible to trans people all of a sudden and secondly we had our gender recognition act review the government undertook and they took ages to start it so that allowed a lot of um, transphobic groups to get together and start organizing quite well and I thought consultation was a bit watered down they weren't I don't think they asked the questions they were intending to and they took quite a long time to get it going and the media started to really pick up the uh, the transphobic groups arguments not the trans community's arguments just the transphobic arguments because it sells newspapers and boy did they go mad in the last 12 months to the point where it, it has felt quite oppressed being a trans 
trans person. A lot of the hates against trans women in particular, I mean, generally the community, but trans women have been really singled out. And now I find it really quite, even in my over my 20s, I find it, it's a bit like it was when I first transitioned. Oh, wow. So, you know, I have to think about using public loos. Um, I am worrying about going into bars now. It's that kind of thing that I never had thought about over the last 10 years, and now it feels quite oppressed. It feels like an issue. Yeah. I would agree with that. My counterpoint, because I'm, I'm a glass half, full person and I'll always see the positivity <laughs> as opposed yeah. to maybe an alternative view. So I agree with everything Rachel has said, you know, in terms of media voice and hate crime, it's not a great place. The stats you quote are mm. I wish they were twenty years ago, but they are mm. last year. Mm. And so the trans experience in the UK is not brilliant. My silver lining in this cloud is generational parenting. Mm. And generations, because all the other counterpoint is data and studies looking at millennial generation and Generation Z see gender very differently to previous generations. How you might parent is different to how you were parented. You know, yeah. We are seeing a number of organisations step into this space. You know, John Lewis did the gender neutral clothing. We are seeing schools at the forefront of trans children and thinking about how do they deal with it I would probably say that the kids are fine it's the school that is having the challenge so I'm the optimist to say every generation will move society on every generation will give us a different perspective of how they see gender it was very interesting there's a GLAD survey out of the US called Accelerating Acceptance that says actually for millennial generations 12% are either transgendered or gender non-conforming, up from 6% of a millennial mm. generation above. So I think we use this phrase quite a lot. You know, the genie is out of the bottle. Mm. There is no way yeah. the trans experience mm. will not be here. Mm. I think our challenge right at the moment is we have a hostile macro environment mm. through a number of areas, mm. which is causing what I'm hoping will be a blip yeah. as opposed to a trend. We've also noticed that what we, what we tell employers, and we do a lot of training on this, is that the 12% that Emma's just mentioned will become 20% when Generation Z fully joins the market. 20% is one in five of your workforce. So some employers who aren't doing anything on trans won't have the choice. One-fifth of their workforce will be on the spectrum, the gender identity spectrum. They won't see it as binary. They will be very unhappy in the workplace if employers haven't done the work. And actually, that's going to wipe over to the four-fifths. They're going to go, that's going to, your whole R&D, your whole motivation of your whole workforce is going to be affected. So Emma's absolutely right. Generational thing is going to change. We are positive that it will change, but from the bottom up, in a way. Yeah, so at least the future looks yes. bright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are, there are elements of light and yeah. positivity about the future. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think are great. I think you know, where we're seeing right now in the UK is that, the blip. We're seeing other countries such as Ireland being a bit more progressive in its legislation. Yay. Rachel's Irish. <laughs> we are seeing, weirdly, positivity across Europe with yeah. the EU of countries moving their legislation forward. Mm. So I think there is some brightness in there. Mm. However, the overarching message for me is a dark message. It's still dark. Mm. There is an element of light. Yes. It is still dark. Mm but we're hoping that light slowly gets brighter. Where do you think the hate comes from? Because as children, children are so honest and raw and open. Mm. They don't naturally have hate. No. So that has They kind to... of don't even see no. a race or 
gender no, or religion clearly on their own account, yeah. you know. So yeah. my eldest boy was doing, um, I think they had Black History Month at school, and he came home and he was asking, what colour am I? And um, I said to him, well, we're what is technically referred to as white. And he looked at me and he went, you're not very good at your colours, mummy. We look at that peach, I think. <laughs> 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 to them, I love that story. <laughs> to them, it's, it's like you have to teach mm. them. Yes. I think people like people like structure and you know they like man woman they like this pink and blue society is structured you go into shops girl stuff is pink boy stuff is blue it's changing a little bit now but it, people like structure and I, you notice people get very angry when somebody moves out of that structure into the spectrum people start to get very uncomfortable when you start talking yeah. about something that they don't understand or it doesn't yeah. fit their view on the world and that's where I think it comes from people fear what they don't understand yeah. and therefore are threatened by it and it's amazing where that fear can generate into and in one way trans people are one of the most marginalised people in society in terms of access to healthcare here in the UK, mm, yeah. long waiting lists, society outside of some mm. of our bigger cities really struggling to understand yeah. what the experience is, parental mm. and, and social environment mm. that's not very em- embracing. I don't agree with it, but I think the way that we counter that is through some awareness, education, telling stories, doing something like this, mm. saying actually trans people are normal people. Yeah. yeah. We have the same hopes, fears and dreams as everybody else. We want to be Mm. members of society just Mm. like everybody else. We want to contribute. Mm. There's actually nothing to fear fearful. In fact, there's a lot to celebrate. I think all discrimination to a certain extent is that, though, isn't it? It's fear of of something you don't actually fully understand. So going back to the US conversation, so what do you think about what's happening in the US and what's happening under the Trump administration specifically? You touched up on that. Well, I think, you know, obviously his base is very right-wing and religious, and I think he has to play to that anti-LGBT focus of his administration. And he's been very subtle. So, obviously, we teach this in firms, the difference between your birth sex, your sex observed at birth, and your gender identity. And your gender identity is your programming. So, I'm a woman, because my programming is my operating system, as I sometimes use, is that I'm, I'm a woman. But the way that Trump is doing that, he's kind of, he's removing gender identity from all the administration systems. So, it's only based on your observed sex. By doing that, trans people can't, register or get jobs in a government administration and also can't serve in the military so there's a whole load of ways of removing gender identity that's not a thing in trump's view it's just your birth sex that's all that matters and of course that will eradicate a big chunk of well all our transgender community so and that is a very clever way of doing it's very subtly removing trans people from american society by making these very subtle and very little tiny little rules all over the place i think it's a bit more complicated than it probably is emma's the thinker you can tell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I think, yes, we have Trump-Pence administration looking at a federal view. And yes, they have high profile, mm. you know, and his tweets are very damaging. Mm. The military ban is currently going through the courts and will be for every way. Mm. Because you know, that's, there's some great people in the US who are fighting it. Yeah. However, the US is a federation of states, and we must always remember that there are some great states in the US who are doing great work. Mm. 
So California, you can do the third legal gender. New York State tightened its harassment and victimisation laws to support trans people. Yeah. So we can't think of, and that's why I think yeah. it's a little bit more Yeah, the angel wings are... The angel wings. Yeah. Philadelphia has one of the largest US trans prides that mm. happen every year. And so, yes, we can't decry that actually the major messages are incredibly negative and incredibly damaging... Mm. You know, and really are hurting so many people. Mm. And you know, we look at all the bathroom bills that potentially are going through the legislature mm. in different states. We're looking at you know, basically people's trans people's right for anti-discrimination on employment mm. and goods and services, and it's pretty horrific. Yeah. And maybe this is again me being a little bit more positive. If there's <laughs> there are spots of light. Mm. Um, I, I will throw in one more negative about that. Was uh, <laughs> just because I'll, I'll raise you. Yeah. I'll raise you. <laughs> Because one of the things, one of the things that Kelder held in back was the Supreme Court. He had four on the right and four on the left, and there was a moderate in the middle, and that was great. So there was a curb on some of the things he was trying to do. But of course, the moderate in the middle stepped down, and he appointed another person from the right. So the Supreme Court is tipped to the right. So there are ultimate legal curb that could have cut some of the nasty things out has now been removed, so he doesn't have any objective. The Supreme Court can't curb him now. But I also think off the back of that, yes, we talk about the infection from the US elsewhere, but my heartened view was when... (laughs) Isn't it good? She's lovely. She's so positive, isn't she? (laughs) (laughs) My heartened view is that when Trump announced the ban on trans military personnel serving, Mm. we had... The three leaders of the UK Armed Forces, mm. the Air Marshal, the, yeah. you'll know them better, the head of the Navy and the yeah. head of the Army, mm. both coming very publicly saying, we love yeah. trans soldiers, they yeah. serve on our front line, we're fully supportive and inclusive. That's true. So we and need to be, yeah. whilst we can rail against the Trump-Pence administration, and it's incredibly scary where it might go, mm. I'm a great believer in balancing and I think, you know, there is a balance and there's yeah. some great people out there. You can there. see why we're engaged, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. complement each other. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love is there's some real great advocates yeah. who are working incredibly hard with lawmakers in the US to try and mm. stop this. So on um, International Trans Day of Visibility, you know, they tried to get the trans flag in every senator's room. Mm. Now, they weren't successful, but they got quite a few senators yeah. coming out in support of trans rights. So I think... Yeah, we can't walk past the fact that trans rights are one of the civil rights mm. challenges of today. Yeah. And there are some great people who are doing great work. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, it's funny, I sent Eve an article today, and the headline is, More Republican congressmen arrested for bathroom misconduct than trans people. Yeah, yeah that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. So maybe yeah. they should be all banned. I think so. Because there's no data. There's no data, there's no data that data. we've seen in yeah. the US. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Trans yeah. people are the ones who are a more risk. likely to be yeah. assaulted Absolutely. in bathrooms yeah. and do this sorting. And I think yeah. it's an interesting thing just to unpick, which and we've had it a little bit here in the UK, and maybe this is controversial. Which this Get idea, controversial, this idea, on. this idea that men will transition purely just to invade female-only spaces mm. to commit some sort of crime it is an interesting perception and view mm. from a trans woman perspective that's the furthest thing from yeah. my mind when I go to the toilet I go to the toilet yeah. who came up with that idea well the, thing, the interesting thing is in all the other European countries where self-declaration because this is what's triggered the self-declaration that we want in this country that's never happened and it's never been raised as an issue as an argument this is only an argument that's been raised in the UK and now in the US but you know if you were a guy and you wanted to go into a woman's toilet well, you know, changing your gender is going to mess your bank accounts, your passport, your pensions. 
your whole life. There are much easier ways of doing that if you're going to do that. Change your gender identity documents. I recently received some information, actually, interestingly, on that point about people petitioning against this happening in prisons. Mm. So I think there's some conversation about gender-neutral, possibly gender-neutral prisons. I don't know how that works. Sorry, I find this... This makes me very angry because... This is against trans women generally, again. You know, if somebody... I mean, there was a trans person in a prison, trans woman, who, who hurt another female prisoner. Now, female prisoners punch each other. Yeah. Now, if you're a black person in a prison and you punch a black person, they don't put you in a special segregated wing for black people. But this is what they're going to do for trans people. So a trans person assaults somebody that's not trans, we need to put the trans person in a special wing. And we're talking about hospitals now, access to hospitals, lose female-only applications for jobs, and now sport. So we are, you know, it seems to be about trans women always, that all these conditions are getting thrown at us that have never been issues for the last 20 years. But, but it comes to me down to some of our binary legacy thinking that actually, and trans people fall out of that binary leg- mm. legacy thinking. So we think about prisons being male and female. That's right, yeah. Anybody who doesn't fit into that genetic binary mm. thinking must equally be difficult. So we need to do something special. So... We look at sport as well, mm. and that's probably another rich subject to explore. Mm. But you know, trans women competing in sport. I would love it if all the trans women were winning all the medals and winning everything. Yeah. But the fact is that we're not. And yet we get into this big discussion around the ability, and this is what it is, the pure ability for people to compete in sport. Mm. Yeah, I read also something about women's refuges. You know, what, what happens in that situation? There's obviously some arguments against that. There's some arguments pro it. You know, there's a lot of domestic abuse refuges and yeah. stuff like that. And my mum actually works for a special sort of section of the NHS that deals with domestic abuse. And her take on it is that there are more trans and gay domestic abuse victims than yeah. there actually are you know abuse yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, absolutely so, uh, how do you deal I can't you know I can't there are protections them. in the Equality Act so a refuge can turn a trans person away if, if somebody's perceived to be at risk but in our experience that doesn't happen that trans people do trans women in particular will get access to those because they're not putting anybody at risk they're the, being, they're the ones as you just at said risk. are the, at yeah. risk yeah. and have been yeah. abused so although papers would have you saying oh you know putting everybody else at risk that doesn't happen and again the yeah. thinking that that a trans person would be a victim just to go off and then abuse other people in a refuge is an interesting logic for mm. me. But one I mean, it's all James Bond villain stuff, isn't it? I mean, it's who does that? Of these ideas. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a big thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a big thing to but do. It, but, yeah. we, you know, we train, Emma and I trained in some of the newspapers, and editors tell us that this sells new, these kind of stories, they sell newspapers. They're selling fear. And they're certainly untruths. Yeah, I mean, in all these cases, and if you look at the some of the stats I mentioned right at the start, you know, it does seem like trans people are much more of the vulnerable, you know, in the vulnerable category than than the not. So, you know, it is strange that they're marginalised in that way in in all these areas, basically. I mean, I I watched a a TED talk today from Kate Stone. She did a a TED talk a while ago just on purely on her job. Mm. And her second TED talk was about when she had a really awful accident. She was gorged by a um, a stag just while she was out on on a walk. And she got put into this coma and it was all these awful, you know, surgeries that she had to have. And when she woke up, the newspapers decided to take control of the story and they had... You can imagine all these horrific headlines that they had, all of these really, you know, trans sex person gets gorged by a deer, all of these awful headlines. Her way of fighting back was to write 
really lovely, kind letters to all of the newspapers and um, speak to them. They issued an apology in the newspapers, they printed it, and they've now invited her. She's now part of a committee that regulates the press. Mm, yeah. She's one of only three um, members of the public mm. that are able to do that. And she ended her TED Talk by saying, beware of your inner bigot and make friends with your enemies. I like that. That's I lovely. That was really yeah. cool. Yeah. That was really cool. But it was about her taking her power back. Yeah. Absolutely. That's gorgeous. I love yeah. that story. Yeah. yeah and it's very really true because, story, you know, I mean, I could be the first person on Mars. Who knows? But they'll say transgender astronaut. Why is that relevant? Just astronaut, female astronaut, woman, whatever. But they'll put that, they, they quite often state that in, you know, gay lawyer or gay black lawyer. Why is that relevant to the work that you've just done, your successes? But that's what the press love to do. Yeah. Do you think also there's an element of, because people are not quite sure. So last year during Pride, Osmar was reading the LGBTQ plus website to us. There was a long list of different ways of identifying mm. your gender. Some of them. You know, even yeah. we hadn't heard yeah. of, and we were yeah. kind of like, "What is this? What is mm. that? What does that mean?" We yeah. couldn't quite understand some of it, so she was doing more mm. research, trying yeah. to explain to us what you know what each one meant. So, do you think there's also slight fear that you might offend mm. someone, say the wrong term? How do you address someone? You know, what is the again? We do a lot of this in our training. I mean, there are you know, I think we can count probably 150 gender identity expressions right now, and it's wonderful. The millennial and Generation Z generation are coming up with fantastic fantastic ways to describe themselves and I think that's marvellous and I think that's great but the companies that we train with are they, you know they sometimes they, they will draft a policy transitioning policy and it will have 50 pages of language and one page of policy and we will say look don't start with the language I mean I would start with my name first and maybe my pronouns and get to know me a bit. And I might, you know, you're getting to know me. You might know what my gender identity is. But what is gender identity? How somebody describes themselves in our space, well, can mean a different thing to a different person in our space. So somebody, Emma and I talk about trans language a lot and her definition of maybe gender fluidity or trans feminine is slightly different to mine. And so if we're not agreeing that language, I mean, we use the asterisk on trans sometimes and, and a lot of people don't like the asterisk and some people argue what the asterisk means. So so we're a kind of a warring tribe on our own language. We always train our ally on LGBT next. So use my name, use my pronouns. You know what? When you get to know me, I might tell you what my gender identity is, and you'll get and what that means to me um, a little bit later. Because. I, allies are so so worried about making a mistake that they say, well, just ask me my name. You know, yeah. we all have trans people. We have names. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> and you can ask us what they are without ever causing offence. And then you're into a conversation. I mean, I know people worry about pronouns, but you know what? In a one-to-one -one conversation, you can't use pronouns anyway. Yeah. And then you can ask yeah. me. That comes with friendship and time anyway. They're super important, but you don't have to just yeah. get in there and ask my name and have a conversation with me. Yeah. And the identity and the expression comes a little later. You make, you make an assumption of how I look, but expression doesn't always reflect somebody's identity. So I noticed on your email signature that you had all the, the pronouns. My pronouns, yeah. yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think good. it's yeah. good. It's a small I, thing. Yeah, it's, it's a, a tiny thing. little thing. And I think that it's super, super helpful for people. But get in there with the name first, and you can ask me my pronouns after a little time. Don't wade in and go, why are your pronouns at the top of your voice and out me? Who would even do that? Well, that happens a lot. That does happen a lot, yeah. It does happen. And we love your confusion, which is brilliant. But actually, for some people, that, or a lot of people we train, especially in some of the bigger corporates, they've never met a trans person. Ever. Their exposure to LGBT plus community is really limited. And so, you know, sometimes if we're meeting people for the first time and we have this sort of saying that all the safeties seem to come off, you know, and you get asked all these questions, which is 
out of sort of positive intent to learn and curiosity. It's true. But we yeah. also say, you know, if you want to ask me personal questions, then ask if it's okay to ask personal questions. Yeah, because we hate you off at the past. Just don't yeah. steam in, and some people do, and it's amazing where people go really quickly. What's that saying you say in the training? Or don't steam in like you're a person who's never interacted with other human beings ever before. <laughs> yeah. Be- yeah. Be- because we are all human. You know, we all have our own uniqueness and our history and mm. our own things that are important to yeah. us yeah. so you know if I'm your friend I'm your friend and we might have a different conversation if we've only just met then we've only just met mm. just like you would anybody else so, yeah. you know, and it comes back down to trans people just being like everybody else yeah. but you know people seem to get wrapped up into language and am I saying the right thing well there's a human being mm. in front of you you know, treat them like anybody else. Yeah, Ask them their name. You know, if you want to be really respectful, we give your name and your pronouns and see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, how they self-identify is how they self-identify, not that you need to understand it. But if you're sure, I'm sure ask them what mm. they mean and just have that conversation. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit more about Global Butterflies? So I'm intrigued as a business owner myself about how businesses can be more trans inclusive. Yeah. So can you give us, you know, some information about what you guys do and So Go Butterflies came out of I worked in the legal profession for a very long time. I trained as a solicitor in the nineties and I couldn't get a job as a trans woman. So I joined the College of Law in male expression. I went in by Trojan horse once I got the job, then I went, hey, I'd like to transition, please. And I was in, and I transitioned there. But I couldn't get that training contract and become a solicitor, so I worked. Because they handled it very well. It's before Ally Networks and the Equality Act and Gender Recognition Act and policies. And they just did a great job. And it, I always say, you know, it always comes down to respect, communication, and a bit of project planning. And they did a really good job. And I worked there for 15 years, and it would be my best self. And I rose up to production director of the university. But the organisation was bought by a Russian company, and I felt, and it was my perception... It may not have been real, I don't know, but I didn't feel that I fitted into that organisation anymore, so I left. And I thought, wow, that's twice that I've come up against the legal profession. And I also applied to a magistrate, to be a magistrate, and during that process had a massive transphobic incident, and I dropped out of the process. So I thought, wow, the legal profession really sucks at being trans-inclusive. And I decided that that's what I would do. I went off to Canada, sat by a lake for a month, and decided that I'd come back and set up a company that did trans-inclusion training in the legal profession. And I just started with general awareness. We started with a little 101 and course that I wrote, and then I realised that there were different audiences within the organisation and we spread to training HR teams, LGBT network teams, ally networks, doing their policy work, helping them get healthcare. And it grew very quickly and the legal profession really embraced it. I was so surprised, so many of the law firms... And, and that's how Global Fires got sort of started in a bedroom and now we have a proper office and there are four of us now in the business now going out. We train not just in the legal sector, we go and we do banks and insurers and, and car rental companies and we have spread out. And we've really seen a thirst for this knowledge of companies trying to be trans-inclusive um, when we've never been busier. And how, as a business, can you kind of let people know that your doors are open as such. How mm. do people know that they can even apply, you know, that mm. they will be welcome somewhere? Because I suspect yeah, I so. that a lot of the time mm. when you're making job app, you know, there's a bit of fear. Yes, there is. And I think, so for me, there's a couple of things, which is one, what's your trans brand? So what are you doing, at your external voice, to attract people in? So I would say most people, when they want to come work, they want to be safe, secure, and be valued, just like anybody mm. else. But I'd also suggest for trans people that's 
heightened. Mm. So they want to know that you're okay with them being trapped. So you need to get out into the market and do something. Mm. You know, people aren't just going to come by because what we've increasingly found is that in order to meet those requirements, people do their research. So they'll be on social media, they'll be on Twitter, they'll be looking at your web page, they'll be looking at things that you are putting out to the market that will either show you're supportive or show you're silent. Yeah. So I think mm. there's some really simple things around that. And we saw in the height of the Gender Recognition Act consultation, a number of firms tweet on Twitter their support for the changes. Mm. Really great stuff. Marching Mm. in Pride is a good thing, or or supporting Pride. There's some days throughout the year where you can show, so there's International Transgender Day of Visibility at the end of March. Mm. There's also Trans Day of Remembrance in November, which are two great opportunities Mm. for people to say, look, we've thought about it. And then I think there's the practical stuff, so which is, if people have got application forms, have we only got two genders on? In terms of titling, do we include a gender-neutral title or no title? You know, title's not important. Mm. And so it's a common combination of both the process training and the welcome people get and the mm. trans brand so when people rock up to their mm. offices and we often see this you know our first point is the first people we meet how do they respond yeah and in larger offices that's going to be your security guards or your receptionists in your smaller offices it's going to be mm. the people who are meeting you and if people take a step back or if they're a bit unsure or they don't greet you mm. it sends a message yes. that you're already starting to mm. get a vibe you know for me the reflection is you know i've had two roles big roles having post transitioned in one organization i came out as trans in the interview because i felt safe Mm. and the other one I did and it's not hard even mm. for me you just look me up and you'll find me yeah. Yeah. so as, as an activist and somebody who's mm. high profile that was really interesting reflection mm. for me which is so what was it about one mm. that worked and the other one didn't and if I feel that then mm. I'm fairly sure other applicants would feel that too exactly when you see our faces coming back at us from an organisation we often when we're training sometimes we spend some time training between the management and do the HR team we do the security guard and reception and we do everything and the firm often says but no we're not getting anybody transitioning and we're not getting anybody applying who's trans or, you know, from the trans community. And we said, well, are you telling anybody about how great you are now? Are you sending any of those signals? All those things Emma said, what, what signals are you sending? And they all... Or, and, and we go for that list we actually tell applicants to firms to go and sit in reception and just see what sort of clothing is going in and out are there any lanyards LGBT you know the, uh, the rainbow mm-hmm. lanyards just see if there are any signals being projected by that firm and that'll give you a really good indication so often they're sitting in reception with their coffee having a look around to see mm-hmm. um, it's a really good indicator and it's not just about applicants you could probably have maybe in every every hundred you may have four people on the gender identity spectrum in your and so it will be those people are looking for signals about telling you they're there as well and they're waiting for those signals to be sent. Do you find that even though, especially with bigger firms, that sometimes they want to be inclusive but they're fearful of posting you know, things mm. that seem like they're inclusive on things yeah. like social mm. media yeah. because then they fear that it might put off other people who are... Well, that, and, yeah. I, and I think that's a really good point. Mm. And we've talked about the US and I compare some of the organisational activism in the US versus the UK. So what we're seeing in the US, a lot more organisations are willing to step into that space, Mm. be more vocal about that, and there's some really great examples of organisations being very active in the LGBT plus space Mm. and being aware of the consequences. Here in the UK, we seem a bit more reticent um, to step into those debates and discussions Mm. because we're not political Mm. as an organisation. My counter-challenge is what you really stand for as an organisation. Absolutely. If your organisation stands for anything 
these are opportunities to mm. shine. And actually, the um, millennial generation and Gen Z are looking for meaning in work and looking for organisations that hold true values. Mm. So this is an opportunity. If you miss it, other organisations ultimately will step in there Absolutely. and they will get the best talent. Yeah. And they will be the ones that are more inclusive. Um, yeah. So I think there's. it's a really great mm. question and I wish there was a really easy answer. Mm. Um, but I think the, the UK just more contentious it was very interesting I'll make this last point and then I'll then I'll be quiet so last last <laughs> last last because I can talk for hours about this mm. uh, so the last point I'll make is last year we saw in the metro an advert mm. uh, which was Horrible. an anti-trans advert by Fair Play for Women mm. talking around people in the subjects we've talked about mm. full page advert it's horrible two weeks later uh, Stonewall managed to gather a hundred companies which was brilliant to do a positive advert mm. around why trans inclusion really works, which is great. Yeah. However, what I would have loved to have seen is those companies do more of themselves rather than wait for something like Stonewall to collate them together. Yeah. I'd equally like some companies to be more overt about mm. the consequences for them to have gone into the advert, i.e., we may have lost some customers, but actually they're not the right customers for us mm. yeah. because actually this is important for us and we stand by trans mm. equality. Yeah. Or actually we've had lots of positive cast comments mm. to say how great it was. Yeah. So I think you know, that's the piece that's missing for mm. me at the moment, which yes. is that vocal voice by our senior leaders saying, actually, we did this, we did this mm. for a reason, yeah. and actually this is what happened, rather than, and this is me being incredibly controversial, rather than paying a fee, stick your logo in advert and just walking away from it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Writing checks are easy. Yeah. yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. So I was just wondering, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to any businesses? And then I also want to flip that on its head. What's the one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Uh, well, businesses, be trans-inclusive because trans employees are brilliant. We are project managers, we are researchers, we are, statistics say that we're highly educated, we are the we are very, we make great employees and we're very loyal. Why wouldn't you want us on your workforce? So get the trans inclusion right and get us in there. And I would build off, off that and say embrace being inclusive, including mm. trans inclusive. Yeah. Because if you miss it, you're going to miss out of 12% of the talent. Yeah. 12% of customers. 12% yeah. of revenue which is going to because they will go somewhere yeah. else and Absolutely. that 12 will turn into 20, 20. Mm. so if, if you want to ignore it fine but there are people out there who are not going to ignore that and yeah. they will embrace it and they will be the people who will attract Absolutely. not only trans people mm. but a more inclusive workforce mm. yeah. fully more inclusive workforce because mm. by embracing trans you can understand that actually many things on many levels and it forces you to rethink some binary thinking in all of your mm. workplaces so I would argue as you would expect me to do which is I don't think you have a choice no. you do have a choice but you ignore it at your peril yeah I mean I think that's a very good point because if you do want to be inclusive and you want to attract other people who are also like-minded and hold yeah. the same ethics as yeah. your business surely you want to be kind of loud yeah. and proud about it and not care that you might lose yeah. you know some employees or customers because do you really want them you know do you really want yeah. people like that in your well, in your workforce if you talk or, about so you talk about the 12 percent 
and what Eve is saying and what, what you've just said there, Emma, about making an inclusive environment for everybody, then you've maybe got another 15% over here of mm. returning mums, and then you've got another Yeah, yeah absolutely. If you start missing out on all those little percentages, mm. maybe you've missed out on 60% of the workforce yeah. because you haven't created this inclusive absolutely. environment for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. I think uh, having a workforce like that, you know, you get great art, better motivation, better R&D, you get great ideas from your workforce. It's a great, it's a, what a lovely place to work if they could get that right. And yeah. I think, um, and I think some organisations mm. see it as a trade-off. Yeah, which is, yeah, we do yeah. trans, but we're going to stop doing this, or we're yeah. going to do families and mm. parental, but we're going to yeah. stop doing LGBT plus. Mm. Yeah, inclusion doesn't work that way, no. and employees will see through that really yeah. quickly. Absolutely, and we tell employers when doing our training, you know, we're not just trans. It's not my day job being trans. I that's you know, uh, I you know, no, no, I, I, you know, it, it's you know, it's one of uh, you know, people are like onions. You know, I have I'm trans. I'm Irish. I'm a woman. You know, I'm a Catholic. You know, I'm dyslexic. I have a lot of other things that make me who I am, other than just being trans. You know, so. Um, we try to talk about the layers and intersectionality of trans people and every other characteristic in the workforce. Um, we're not just one thing. So, so coming back to your other question, mm. what's the one piece of advice you'd give your younger self? Two little things. What it's going to be all right. It's never going to. It's never going to be as bad as you think it is. But um, I'd probably go right back and say transition earlier than I did. I left oh, it yeah. fell too late. I left it. It was just because society wasn't. You know, I, wasn't, I just wasn't seeing. You know, in the seventies and eighties, I just wasn't seeing the trans role models, and it wasn't on tele. They weren't. You know, there were two television channels in the seventies, and they were black and white, and they weren't doing a lot of trans inclusion programming back then, and so I didn't really see any. So it took me till I moved to London in my early thirties, where I really started to see my trans community. You know, still before the internet, so I was meeting my community in the clubs and bars in London, and that's when I found out who I was. And I wish I'd go back and go, you know what, go back, just get on with it, don't, you should transition now, because I felt I'd wasted so much time. So a similar thing for me, but maybe not quite in a similar place. So, so one piece of advice would embrace it earlier. Mm. Embrace who you are yeah. earlier. I Absolutely. knew when I was seven, and I knew when I had to language at 14, mm. and I embraced it within myself, but mm. I didn't embrace it with other people. So it took me till I was 40 with a whole heap of angst and depression and everything else that went with that through your mental health journey. Mm. So my one piece of advice is embrace it early. And I think what I love about now is people are embracing mm. it earlier. Yeah. You know, the average age of transition in the UK is coming down mm. and will continue to come down. Yeah. Uh, we are seeing some amazing um, self-identification identification with trans youth you know they are really just pushing our boundaries and every element and I think that's a huge mm. beauty and so so I think all those things are really coming together with the positivity of the piece of light in, in mm. what is quite at the moment quite a dark place yeah I do have another question but I'm not uh oh so last time Rachel and I met and um, we discussed uh, those external groups that you're talking about mm. that have a little bit of hate towards yeah. transgender women mm. etc and there was a few high profile people that were involved in that yeah. so I was just wondering what does the word feminism mean to you? Mm. Wow, that's a very uh, that very good no, one? not at all. I mean, my my, you know, I, I look to my my sister and my and her partner are feminists. They were fighting for women's rights back in the day. They were at Green and Common, chained to fences at, during the you know that that period. 
Um, and I, you know, they were hard-fought rights. They had to be. Yeah. Um, I just don't see. So feminism is really important, and I, those battles still need to be fought. There's still a glass ceiling yeah. in lots of organisations. Yeah, um, all I would say is that trans women don't make take anything away from that. We have. When I transitioned, I hit. I had two glass ceilings. All the women. When I transitioned, women were saying to me, "Wow, you, why did you do that? You know, there's this glass ceiling." And I found that there were two because I was trans as well. And you know what? I, you know what I had to do to break that glass ceiling? I had to work a thousand hours. I had to be better than everybody else, and I had to take on the jobs that nobody else wanted to do. You know what? Who else do that? Women do that. That's so we're true. the same struggle. Yeah. And I would add to that. You know, I think it's around trans women adding to that power. Rather than excluding them. Exactly, yeah. I think, you know, for me, I'd agree, you know, there is still more to do mm. for the battle for women's rights. We don't see enough senior women in mm. large organisations. We don't yeah. see enough senior women across the board mm. in society. Mm. Yeah. And there's still so much more to do. And so, you know, absolutely, I'm mm. a very proud feminist. Mm. You know, I want that battle to be won. Mm. And I think as a trans woman, we can add to that. Yes. I would also agree with Rachel. I think there is a trans ceiling as well, which I, my hypothesis is that it's older trans women who've had to fight and battle mm. are still faced with that. Yes. The younger um, trans people, because they get medical intervention earlier they get more parental support and as a result that ceiling is still there but to a lesser extent mm. yeah. Right. yeah just think how powerful we could be if we all came together <laughs> well, we are together right now, yeah, together right now <laughs> which is great sitting in the office full of other women I know. <laughs> so great okay when you mentioned New Zealand I was like oh I'm pretty sure I remember a while back there is an openly transgender mayor mm, in yeah. New Zealand, Georgina Bayer. And I remembered, and I couldn't mm. remember her name. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And yeah. she, I don't know how long she's been in government for, yeah. but I think it's been a while. There's a, there's a mayor in, in New Zealand called Rachel Reese, and she gets, more oh. hits, she gets more hits. If I Google her, she's always beats me on all the Google searches. Yeah. She's right above everything. Mayor Rachel Reese, she does really well. Oh, really? Much better hits than I, I get. I googled uh, you earlier and I got you at the top. So oh, well, that's might, good. That might have changed. That might have changed. <laughs> yeah, wow. That might have changed. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but, I think, but I think on that, it's a really good point. And we again, we could talk for a long time about this. And Rachel knows it's one of my little pet subjects. But the T map of the world is a very different mm. map of the world to the L, the B or the G map of the world. You know, and still there is more to do and there's some great countries like New Zealand who are doing great work mm. but there's far more to do to really give yeah. the civil rights that we've talked about yeah. mainly in the US but elsewhere yeah I, I'm a trustee of a charity called Give Out which is an LGBT plus charity and we, we fund um, LGBT organisations in countries where it's illegal to be LGBT and I'm a big believer in you taking the war to the enemy because it can only be better here if you're taking the war abroad taking out you know so I love the fact that we are fighting for rights in other jurisdictions because it just helps flow the love outwards and not back and we can't afford to stop fighting because you see what happened in the US if you mm. stop fighting the pendulum can swing so we're always going to be you know hopefully moving mm. forward so I love working and doing that kind of work because yeah. it just it's just a passion maybe in a hundred years time we will look back you know how we look back yeah. now at crazy laws yeah that they had yeah. in the 70s oh without a yeah. doubt and we will look back <laughs> yeah. and go it was illegal to be yeah. trapped yeah. what are they talking about absolutely yeah. well I would illegal to throw you know yeah. bombs and all that kind of stuff yeah. I just think the gender will be so fluid that people the binary part will be almost eroded and it will just be there's a spectrum and people 
people are on it, and I think that will be wonderful. Lovely. Great. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. honoured to have you here, and this has been a thoroughly interesting conversation. Yes. And thank you very much for joining us today, and please tune back in next Monday for the next episode of Food Poetry.